about to start so pop those headphones in and let Sophia style radio to keep you company. Love Thy Body Project, home of female empowerment. you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com original female artists only on sophia style radio Enjoy non-stop music from original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. Find out more on all the W's, sophiaandi.co.uk. Search under our playlists and artists. My future is bright and my ceilings is high. My oh my, you won't take my life. This time's a baby heart, knocking once or twice. The rain it kept pouring, underneath there's no lies. But just like in the movies, you take a hold of love. And just like on the TV, you never, ever give up. It's in our hearts now. We are strong now. Never give up. We got the beat now.
Welcome to Love Thy Body Project, the show where no topic is off limits. We're here to encourage, empower and support. Today you've got myself, Laura Bland, and the gorgeous Anna-Louise Bonasera, and together we are two-thirds of Love Thy Body Project. Our guest today is the fantastic Sharon Barla, and we have got lots of different things to talk about. As you know, our mission is all about female empowerment, self-love, and just having confidence in who you are. Um, now we are recording and we've got the fun fact that Anna's wonderful boys are home isolating from the school at the moment. So if you hear any little voices, don't panic. It is just the fun of being. It's not your children, mom. it's just mine. <laughs> yes, we're all mums here, we're all running businesses and we are um, living with the ups and downs that 2020 have thrown us. So Sharon, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's lovely to have you here. Um, thank you thank you for having me brilliant so what I would love to do to start with um is just talk a little bit about your family life and the experience that you're having the complications and things we were chatting before the show and just kind of saying how you've got a few things going on that kind of tie in a little bit in terms of Anna's home life and family life as well and experiences challenges in terms of our children really and the different things that we go through and fighting for help for them and diagnoses and all those wonderful things so tell us a little bit about you your family and your two wonderful children um I have two children one is Jay who's 16 um and I've got Ishari who's 12 um both have special needs um jay is asperger's but now they say asc um with sensory processing disorder anxiety and some behavioral behavioral issues um he has no medication or anything like that um ishari has um, adhd and is medicated so she has the support that she needs um to get on at school um single mum um i've been single mum for six years now um, and it's been a hard slog namely with Jay um, he was eight when he was diagnosed because it took us a little while to sort of understand what was going on with him and then he went through quite a difficult time because he was academically quite bright they kept telling me that he won't get at that time uh, something called a statement so I was already up against the local authorities saying yeah but there are other aspects of the statement that you haven't looked at 
And so my battle then began with the local authority and it just hasn't ended really. Um, and that must be really draining when you know that your children need additional help. And I know that Anna will 100% be able to, to connect with this. Because when you know that your children need that extra support and actually you've got to keep fighting and pushing and, you know, wh- where, where do you get the support from? Why is it so difficult? How is that the right way for things to be? And that must be really draining on you as a mum and on, you know, not just your time, but your emotional well-being. How have you still been able to try and prioritise yourself at times or does that just not happen? It absolutely didn't happen for a long time. And, you know, you start feeling like a failed parent because they keep trying to say, when they first try and say there's nothing wrong with your child, it's you. It's the environment you're bringing them up in. You get really frustrated because you're thinking, I'm a really strict parent. I'm a good parent. And you start feeling like a failure. Um, So that starts knocking your your self-esteem right from the beginning. You know, as a mum, you just get up, dust yourself off and you fight again and you keep going and keep going. I think for me, my self-love had to start this year because I think after everything I'd been through, the separation and the fight for Jay through all of that, because at one point he, we put him into a private school. He's been at nine different schools. Um, and at mm-hmm. one point he was being bullied um, on the school bus. He was being stalked. He was being picked on by the children in his class to the point where teachers saw, you know, school bags being thrown across cloakrooms at him. But they still tried to say it was him. Yeah. And he was going through a statementing process at the time. So it's illegal. You are not supposed to um, exclude a child when they're going through statementing. But they did. But unfortunately, I couldn't do anything about it because I was going through uh, separation as well at the time. Uh, and it's heartbreaking because you feel like you're failing in all areas. Um, nothing you do feels good enough. I struggled to have my children. Um, I couldn't, I did, neither of them had natural births. Mm-hmm. So I was already feeling like a failure because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've got these like childbearing hips and I couldn't even give birth properly. <laughs> so I had all this kind of, you know, knockback. And I just felt like a complete failure for a long, long time. And I think this year my body just went enough. And my mental health took a really bad downturn this year where I've had to take notice and I've had to start looking after myself. Um, how have you? How was lockdown for you guys? Because that, again, that's another impact, isn't it, in terms of change and disruption to routine and, you know, having to kind of switch your focus and behave in, in different ways almost. So how, how did you then manage to cope with lockdown as well? I think as mums, we just put your head down, you just get on with it, I think. Ishari still went to school so for her routine was still about the same which was good for her because she needed to be away from her brother because he could get quite violent and aggressive and she just needed routine it was just hard for me because I'd be you know take me over an hour two hours to get him to sit at the laptop to do a one zoom lesson that was only going to be an hour and my well-being was rubbish so you know I was tearful I was sad I wasn't going to work I was signed off from work with work-related stress as well when all this was going on uh yeah I wasn't feeling great about myself all the way I looked I'd put on quite a lot of weight as well I've become diabetic in the last three years as well so there's a lot that started happening to me emotionally mentally and physically Mm. yeah yeah an awful awful lot going on isn't there and and I think that's there's an awful lot of us that have lots of different things going on and I think particularly as women and like you were saying as mums we just get on and we keep on going 
And there's a lot of the time when maybe we don't speak out or we don't reach out for help or we don't tell people that we're struggling because we just feel like we should be able to manage it all. Yeah. Or we feel like asking for help is a sign of weakness or people might judge us because perhaps they're going through something similar and they're not asking for help. So if they can cope, why can't I cope? All those kind of feelings that, that go around in our minds. So how then, how would you kind of give advice to someone else that was in a similar situation what would you tell or what would you tell yourself from a period of time where you were really struggling but you were just keeping it in and and plugging away at things what would you say now to to do things differently or to reach out definitely reach out get some help and if you're not feeling right say you're not feeling right because a lot of people don't know that you need that help unless you say it what I found useful for me was to find groups and people that were in a similar situation mm-hmm. not okay. as in children just with autism but like other women that were struggling with life and that we could kind of support each other which is why for me my well-being has definitely improved since I discovered love thy body and uh, self-love detox has really really helped me because finding other women going through what you're going through it kind of you know you know that you're you're, what you're going through is so difficult and sometimes you're like I don't care what anyone else is going through this is hard for me Mm -hmm. but actually the support you get from other women that are like you know what you can do this it's okay it's okay to cry it's okay to feel the way you're feeling as long as you get up again yeah um and I think it's so important I think it's really important Uh, and that's something that you know I as well have learned, you know, being a mum of four and then twins having autism and all the, the challenges we've faced, that the more you bottle it up, the worse the explosion is at the end. Um, and, you know, mental health has been something that I wasn't, wasn't really, aware, not necessarily aware of, but I, I thought it was just the people who had, you know, the big diagnosis you know the big problems bipolar depression schizophrenia that's kind of how I saw mental health I didn't think of everyone having mental health because we all have a mental capacity and that's something that I've already learned is that you can suffer with your mental health but it not be like a big scary diagnosis as well and it's something you need to be honest about struggling and when the boys were going through their diagnosis it's something that I felt as well like the whole failure thing and everything but groups like you said support groups and then finding self-love groups with women who are going through all different types of things so you don't necessarily relate to them exactly but you feel a lot less alone I think that's it that's one of the key things isn't it you don't always have to be talking about or talking with people that are going through the same challenge as you it's just having someone that's been through something difficult whether it was you know job loss and struggling from a financial point of view or whether it was you know a bereavement and they're being challenged with grief or whether it is someone in a similar circumstance with children that they're caring for or other family members that they're caring for it's just all about being open to conversation isn't it and just knowing that actually there's someone else to say do you know what it is really hard but you can do it and you know I'm here to help you or I'm here to to check in on you every now and then because that's the other thing isn't it if we bottle everything up and we don't tell people we're struggling then people don't know 
to kind of look out for the signs that actually it's getting worse and I know certainly we've got a few people within our community in in Love Thy Body Project and in Self Love Detox and you can you know when they are less visible and when you aren't seeing them on social media you know that they're going to be having a hard time and they need someone to be able to understand that to just drop them that message or leave them a voicemail and just say you know how are you doing today what's going on are you okay do you need a bit of support or even just you know that kind of the joke memes that you can send to just put that smile back on someone's face but if we never reach out in the first place if we never say do you know what it's hard at the moment then people don't know to try and do that to try and offer that support Mm. And one of my pet peeves at the moment, one of the things that I see so often that I really hate is when we're talking about problems or we're talking about how we're struggling and then we qualify it and we say, oh, but I know someone else is going through so much worse. Oh, but I know that compared to others, I've got it quite easy. And I just think, you know what? Stop saying that because it's your life, it's your struggles, it's your difficulty and whatever you're feeling is valid. And just because someone has got a different kind of struggle that they're going to, through, and maybe, yes, you might think that it's that, that their struggle is more of a challenge, it doesn't mean that what you're going through is any less valid or that you should yeah. not ask for help or that you should not, you know, talk openly about what you're going through. Yeah, and I yeah, hate it when absolutely. people say, well, you should be thankful that's all you have to worry about. And as much of a big believer I am on gratitude, the importance of not saying things like that, it's just so important because it's actually so detrimental to someone's mental health to say that your feelings aren't valid. It's totally wrong. You know, someone could be going through like the biggest, you know, like you said, bereavement in their life, but then other people could be going through being feeling really hard finding a home. And it doesn't mean that, yes, one, it seems much more, huge than the other but it doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid and you can still be grateful and honor how you feel and it's really important that we don't put people down for being honest with how they're feeling because if we do that especially with children if we do that then they're not going to open up to you again then they're going to become a closed book again and that and that's when people are going to see their mental health deteriorate so yeah it's so important to honor how you feel and like what Laura said not not put yourself down for for it and that's talking about children there as well obviously a huge part of what you know what we're all trying to do is to not carry on those negative behaviors or the you know the lack of confidence and all all of those kind of insecurities and self-doubts we don't want to pass those down to the next generation and the whole point of trying to create conversation and get people to open up more and to be more open to the harder topics is that actually it gets easier for the next generation to have those conversations and then it gets easier for the next generation and then actually we don't need to try and create this massive movement because we're already open and we're already having the discussions and we're already valuing ourselves much more so being able to like you say not make our children feel like their opinion doesn't matter or like their feelings aren't valid is just as important as looking after our own kind of mental health and our own physical health as well because it all goes all sits hand in hand doesn't it yeah I read something once and it was like if you don't listen to your children about the small things they won't talk to you about the big things yeah so I think that's so important even if Nathaniel's going on about Pokemon I got absolutely no clue what he's on about 
I just make the time to listen and nod and try and understand because I want him to be able to say that he can always talk to you about anything. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. That's key, isn't it? If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com. Original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. Let's realize I want to see something open up my eyes Drop everything now I want to go on an adventure Shimmering line of the ocean guys The open fires and the music finds Dive right in now Give me something to remember Intuition will guide my mission Anywhere we hear a color sign I will listen Momentum built a spontaneity Like the universe rewarding me Changing location Intersection, realize all those chance encounters flowing away like nothing matters. Pointless to apprehend the consequence. If your heart's seen, yes, then it must make sense. Spreading the seeds of joy and they will scatter. But I don't do on a matter, do this. All, all the problems, problems of my world, I'm gonna relinquish back burner. They will stay. I'll freed up now, I'm on my way. Situation of plans unfolding. Shift your surroundings, expand your mind. Seek ideas, movement inspires. Changing location. Tell us a little bit then, Sharon. Obviously, you've mentioned that in the last few years you've been diagnosed with diabetes. What kind of impact has that had? Because I know when we sort of spoke outside of this, you said that you're a big lover of dessert. Which is, I am. <laughs> obviously, that's, that's a bit of a challenge in terms of diabetes <laughs> and blood sugar and the spikes that that can create and then the yeah. knock-on. And this is the same for, for Anna as well. When you're caring for children... One of the things that is in the back of your mind is, 
your own longevity isn't it because you know that actually your children if they've got certain um struggles diagnoses it's not going to be a case of they're going to fly the nest at 18 or 25 or whatever point they become financially stable actually they're going to be reliant on you for a significantly longer period of time how how has your diagnosis how's that kind of affected you and what are you doing to to manage that as well now I was quite shocked at first I was quite disheartened because what was interesting was (laughs) after my marriage broke down as upset as I felt and you know felt like a failure as a mum as a wife and I think like trying to work out what I did wrong and then I was like actually I didn't do anything wrong this is not about me Um, I'm better than that I deserve better than that but then I started having body dysmorphia of a different sort in the mirror I thought I looked good I was like yeah well I see that looks good you know in the mirror until my diagnosis of diabetes and then I was like what do you mean you know your weight you've just got to get it down I was like what are you talking about and then I saw photographs and then I was like oh I'm so fat oh my god I couldn't see it if I look in the mirror I couldn't see it but show me a photograph of the same event then I was like oh my goodness doctor had said I can put it into remission if I lost 12 kilos in 12 months and so my mission began to try to lose that weight. Now, I managed to lose about 10, but it meant cutting out a lot of things that I really, really enjoyed. But I was so terrified of being diabetic. And my dad was devastated um, because my grandmother had died of complications when I was 11 of diabetes. So he was like, really kind of like, I told you, I told you not to eat all those desserts and I told you not to eat. But I said to him, it's not just the desserts, it's the other carbs. Anyway, I managed to get into remission, but it keeps bouncing back and forwards. I've tried to keep the weight off, but then last year I was so disheartened that I started self-sabotaging. I would spend lots of time not eating the wrong things. Then I'd suddenly start eating them. Now it wasn't just biscuits and chocolates. We're talking punnets of strawberries and blueberries and raspberries and bananas. And so in my head, I'm eating healthier food, but it's still sugar. So I was still making myself ill. And I kept on doing this in a, in a circular mo- motion. And I thought, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to end up seriously ill. And so I've just had to try really, really hard to reduce the amount of stuff that I'm putting in my mouth because the, the professionals keep going, if you keep on like this, you know, you won't be around to look after your kids. You need, this is serious. Diabetes is not a joke. It is a serious matter. I'm just trying to manage it as best I can. Has it changed how you um, how you eat as a family as as well as your own kind of food intake? Um, I've been quite strict. Uh, I've always been quite strict on the way they eat. So I've always tried to make sure that I made them sort of sensible, healthy foods. I've just knocked off the desserts. So when the kids say, can we have a dessert? I'll say, have a piece of fruit or, you know, have a fruit yogurt instead of an apple pie or a cake or something that we've made so it's those alternatives or actually you don't need a dessert today and actually things like that impact our mental health as well in terms of yeah. you know foods that kind of give us that spike or they give us that energy rush and then we mm-hmm. drop off and we have that slump and you know that constant kind of up and down isn't any good for us you know no. physically or emotionally either so it's good to kind of you know link them and create the control for the right reasons and that's that's kind of something that we're very passionate about as well in terms of not being focused on numbers for the wrong reasons. So we promote self-love and we promote 
body confidence and we promote inclusivity and all of those kinds of things but one of the things that that I'm quite clear about when I'm talking to people is that self-love doesn't mean never wanting to make a change or never wanting to make progress or never wanting to learn more or develop more self-love is just about respect and acceptance and doing things for the right reason rather than because you've got all these negative thoughts and we're driven by negative self-talk and certainly obviously Anna you've been through that process the postpartum journey in terms of you know wanting to make changes for the wrong reasons yeah and the whole dieting like you know I think from what you've described doctors generally just tell you to go on a diet I think I don't think it matters what you go in for if you're overweight I think they just weigh you for everything these days and put a label on you and obviously I think most of us by now know that BMI is an absolute load of rubbish but yeah having been through that I think it's the pressure that is put upon us whether it's from the doctors whether it's from social media whether it's from ourselves from family from friends of you have to eat a certain way you have to eat like this you have to restrict you have to cut out that pressure those words alone probably cause us more stress and anxiety than the actual problems themselves finding self-love to then starting to heal different parts of yourself whether it's trauma from the past whether it's getting yourself into a good routine and start with self-care and then when things start to slip into place you don't feel like you need to reach for the extra three slices of cheesecake or stuff but I also think it's really important that what I've learned is, you know, so many times I've overindulged and I've emotionally eaten. And instead of like dealing with the problem and why am I emotionally eating? What emotions am I not dealing with and trying to hide away? I've actually just gone, oh, no, I'm a pig. I'm just going to work out extra hard and go to the gym three times in a day or whatever. And I think it's facing that is really tough to do. Actually being honest about how you're feeling instead of just eating it away. But being kind to yourself and not punishing yourself because it's in the long run, it's not going to do you any good. You know, it's finding stuff that you love. Like obviously Laura loves, you know, doing her hit workouts and stuff. And at a period of time, it was something that I enjoyed too. But now I find that doing exercise in different ways, like through dance and stuff is where I find my love. Absolutely running is not my, my love. I just put that out there. But I think it's finding you know, this routine, this self-love and really dealing with your emotions that actually help you feel comfortable in your own skin to then not need to overindulge. I think it took me a long time to sort of accept the body that I was in because growing up, I just did not like my body at all. Um, I don't think any of us did. You know, when you see some of those pictures, you think, what was I complaining about (laughs) as a teenager? Look at what I look like now. I think I only started accepting my body shape when I hit 40 was when I kind of went oh you know I give up why am I punishing myself the amount of diets I've done I've done Weight Watchers I've done the Slim Fast and Slimming World and yeah the Arbons and the Juice Pluses and you just think it's not doing me any good I'm not you know I'm making myself ill because I'd lose rapid amounts of weight the minute I stopped I was bouncing all back on again and you know it's yeah. just it gets silly. It's so awesome. unhealthy yeah. Yeah, it's so unhealthy and and a really great book that I have started reading called Health at Every Size by Dr. Linda Bacon. She talks about um, 
but um what she talks about is that we have all these systems in our body so you know we have like a respiratory system which works we don't need to tell it what to do you know heart don't need to tell it what to do just does it automatically brain mm-hmm. does it you know pooping it happens mm-hmm. and and we also have a weight regulatory system in our body but because the world tells us we can't trust ourselves to eat we don't listen to it and we actually jeopardize it so what we have is a set point so we have like a it's like a thermometer sometimes we go 10 pounds over sometimes we go 10 pounds under but generally we're normally in the middle but every time that we go on a diet we stretch that so the body like goes into shock almost and it goes okay Mm. well I need to put more weight on and set the weight point higher so that we can um not drop again and it's like this whole you know caveman system that our body still has of you know we don't eat for for 10 days because there's no animals around that we haven't uh, to eat and it thinks that we're like you know starving so yeah we're actually jeopardizing our own regulatory weight system because of diets and the diet industry which is worth a lot of money so it's Mm. not going to go away no ever but if we can help just a you know a small percentage of people realize that they can learn to trust their bodies can learn to trust themselves to eat and deal with their emotional issues then we can we can help some and that will that'll be good (laughs) and that's a huge part of the shift isn't it in terms of mindset understanding kind of all the things that your body does for you and all those like you say all those incredible processes that are taking place without you having to tell your body what to do and then just all the other things as well day to day when you're you know Mm. just being able to get up and move around and go for a walk and you know just be active and everything and it's it's that shift in mindset in terms of appreciating what your body can do for you and not just being focused on size or appearance but equally taking into account how we can be healthy in mind and body and how they can interlink and support each other. Changing kind of the here and now and our viewpoints and then passing that healthier version into our children rather than passing that distorted version on. Okay, so going back then, Sharon, if we just talk a little bit more kind of about your past. So when you were a teenager and you were struggling you mentioned you developed a little bit quicker than some of the other kids that you were yeah. at school with. You would hunch your shoulders, you would wear your dad's baggy jumpers. What led you to feel that way? Was there something that, was that a, a, a kind of a mental attitude that you developed yourself just because you felt different or you felt that you looked different? It might have been a combination of, of all of that, to be really honest with you. I felt very self-conscious uh, because, you know, my breast developed faster than everybody else's. And even at junior school, I was very, you know, I started my period when I was still at junior school and I was like quite upset and a bit shocked by what was happening to my body. So I was already aware that I looked different and I was taller than everybody, even at junior school. So when I went off to secondary school, I just felt so self-conscious because I didn't want people to stare at me. They didn't think I was attractive. And like my best friend at the time was like, really petite like she was like bone and I was like oh she's so pretty she's got really nice hair I just felt in fear I just felt awkward big a giant size in my head you know big feet clumpy feet and everything felt super sized compared to everybody else and all the girls just didn't look like me and it was really upsetting for me because at that age I think you compare yourself to your peers but I still stood out and I was really upset about it I'd go 
days without eating to try and control like I felt I was too big so I just felt I wasn't good enough so with so you've got a 12 year old daughter how how do you kind of talk to her or show her you know that's not the way to be or that we shouldn't be focused on physical attributes you know what what kind of things are you teaching her so that she knows to just love herself I always say to her that I think she's a wonderful person um instead of saying oh you look so pretty in the outfit I was like oh I like the coordination nice one you know like try and put a twist on it. it's really hard sometimes because you just want to go oh my god you look gorgeous but you know mm-hmm. I don't want to so finding I just say to her, I love the coordination or you know I like your style you know you've got your unique style I said never lose that I love your individual style and you know I'll try and randomly compliment her when she's least expecting it like um she did something really nice for a friend and I just went I'm so proud of you for the woman that you are becoming you're strong you're powerful you know you're confident and I still always try and use those sort of power words with her and she goes yeah. oh, thanks mama make her feel more confident about the way she is when I when I'm aware of what's happening around me I try to flip the script as it were yeah. about what they're saying like for my daughter she's she's not the same shape as me growing up at all she's just muscly she's she's lean she's beautiful she is self-conscious in the sense that she used to think compare her skin color to mine because I'm fair yeah and she's quite dark um skin toned compared to me so she used to go why am I not your color I want to be your color so I'd have to say to her no you are beautiful as you are so it's like trying to like sometimes it's so difficult don't get me wrong sometimes I'm stumped because I don't know what to say yeah. to make sure I don't give her that insecurity that I've had growing up no and I think that's right isn't it you know one of one of the key things is just getting children to to understand and to embrace differences because life would be very boring if we all looked the same or acted the same or did yeah. the same things so it's getting them to understand that that different doesn't mean wrong or bad and as much as we want to encourage our children to embrace challenges and give new things a go they need to understand that sometimes they might fail at what they're trying so I think as well it it, you know it's just as important when we're having those conversations whatever the topic is it's not going too far in the opposite direction and sometimes finding that happy medium about what we're saying is really difficult isn't it because we need to be encouraging we need to be supportive we need to be positive but equally we need some sort of realism sometimes we, we only truly fail when we stop trying. You know, that's what we have to encourage um, in each other and in our children as well. So we keep on going. We keep plugging away. Thank you very much, Sharon, for joining us today. If, um, if any of our listeners have kind of connected with what you're talking about or similar um, experiences or if they'd maybe like to get in contact, is there anywhere where they could find you? They can find me on Facebook. They can find me through the your your groups as well, because I'm on there as well. Message me, and if I can help, we'll give advice, and I'll Brilliant. do that. Well, thank you very much. Always good to talk. So don't forget to also go and search out the Love Thy Body Project community on Facebook. Join in there, and you will find lots of support. And also, you can lend your own support to others in the group. And we will be with you again next week for another show. If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com.
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 